Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. As he sat down with Prime Minister Modi last week, the president said that the Indian press is better behaved than the U.S. press, and then he advised him not to take questions. Why the American president was criticizing U.S. reporters in that setting? Well, I would note first that he took questions on Friday, and he took questions again today. And I think what he said is that they're not always on point. Now, I know that isn't uh, something that anyone wants to hear uh, in here, uh, but what I think he was conveying is, you know, today he might want to talk about COVID vaccines. Some of the questions are about that. He might want to talk about, um, and, and some of the questions are not always about the topic he's talking about in that day. I don't think it was meant to be a hard cut at the members of the media, people he's taken questions from I can think of younger days when I lived for my life sad day was they gave him their all could want to do they did I could never see <laughs> can you imagine that their feelings were hurt <laughs> their feelings were hurt I'll play it again as, as he sat down with Prime Minister Modi last week, the president said that the Indian press is better behaved than the U.S. press, and then he advised him not to take questions. Why the American president was criticizing U.S. reporters in that setting? Well, I would note first that he took questions on Friday, and he took questions again today. And I think what he said is that they're not always on point. Now I know that isn't uh, something that anyone wants to do. How can you stop the rain from falling and some of the questions are not always about the topic he's talking about in that day. I don't think it was meant to be a hard cut at the members of the media, people he's taken questions from. My goodness, the heartbreak experienced by the American media today. Can you imagine? Why did he say, why did he say that mean thing about us? <laughs> he made fun of us, and the Indian Prime Minister was there, and he said something mean about the Indian press. 
Oh my god! I've never seen this in my. Really? Can you? Can you? He said something mean last week when the taking you. Can you make? Essentially, she had to kiss the boo boo because their feelings were hurt. I know. Oh my goodness! Really? Make it okay, Jen. She had to explain away the hurties he for them. He still loves you guys. I promise. He really still you, loves you a lot. I'm sure he didn't mean a biting criticism of you guys. No. You're, it's just you're sometimes the best. You, sometimes you do ask questions that are just a little bit off. Just not what he wants to talk about that day. If you could just try and stay on topic to keep it to things that we've prepared a statement for him in advance, that would be ideal. And, you know, where he has his talking points on a note card in front of him, because sometimes you guys kind of ask questions where it's like about something else, and we don't really like that when he starts to answer questions <laughs> off the cuff. So if you could just... I love it. I think Sometimes it's, you're just not focused. Uh, what a bunch of <laughs> total and utter... Can you imagine if Trump's press secretary had done that? Had... Had told them that, I mean, because obviously they cried in the briefings all the time. Oh, cost yeah. of, you know. They cried after they attacked him. He retaliated. They cried. And then they talked about democracy being under attack, considering there was a rampage in Annapolis, Maryland at a newspaper. Baltimore, this, I think. Uh, uh, I don't think so. I think the newspaper one. Was I think it's Annapolis, my friend. But you could you know, be right. I mean, you could be right. I'm gonna check anyway. now. Though. Well, anyway. Uh, yeah. But no. But if then, like, if they'd been like, "This is an attack on democracy. The president has called us the lying press." And if you mm -hmm. know, Kaylee McEnany or Sarah Sanders had said, like, "Well, you know, sometimes you guys just ask bad questions." New beer tonight, Alice. This is the Yingling Light Lager. Mm -hmm. Wasn't it a big deal a few years ago when those started to be available here? When Yulings like, got mm -hmm. here, yes, like 10 years ago or so. Uh, maybe it was less than 10 years ago. Anyway, it is their answer to Mick Ultra, and it is not a pleasure. So that's <laughs> Sorry. right. So that's right. The press had Lesson its feelings learned. hurt today. Beer and reviews with Tom. <laughs> yeah, the press had its feelings hurt today, and so uh, so that was that. And I was just a little momentary. Wow, that's incredible. The uh, let's see what else is going on with the administration. We'll blow through some of the Saki stuff uh, immediately. They still have, and this is great. I I like to think about the the um, summit meetings that take place with the communications crew, mm -hmm. saying, "Okay, guys, we need to craft something new here. This is not working because they can't have the same old stale stuff going on in uh, same stale um, answers as far as the border, etc." Well, they, right, considering it gets worse every day. Right, so you can't have this is, for instance, okay, so so she, here's here's a, a, an older Chen Saki one. Immigration system, until we uh, have an asylum processing system that works at the border, we're going to continue to see cyclical challenges like this. So this is, that's actually from today, but, you know, that's an old talking point, that we mm -hmm. have, this happens every year, or it's in a cycle of whatever. Yeah, it's like and the inflation. It, there might be a little bit of inflation, transitory. but it'll disappear, it'll be transitory, no big Exactly, deal. but see, they can't do that. They can't keep using the same answer for all this stuff, because the front of the paper is going to write the news hit on it, and then the back of the paper is going to editorialize, or op write op-eds on it as well, and you're asking op-ed writers, good liberal 
progressives who want to write nice stuff. Mm-hmm. You're asking op-ed writers to uh, veer way afar from where they should be. And they have long since left the idea that this is cyclical. So that's why you need something new, which is what they're on to now. So this now is the new Saki border talking point. And this is what all the, the news people up front, of course, will write. This will be the hard news. And it will be written as if it's, it will mm-hmm. not be questioned. It will not be qualified with without evidence or whatever. The word lie will not be used in it whatsoever. But here's Saki's new, this is the new going um, messaging point from the communication shop of the White House. We would argue that for all of those Republicans who are standing at the border and giving speeches about how broken the system is, why don't you join us and be a part of the solution instead of relying on speeches? Because we can work together and get immigration reform passed and make the system work. So here you go. And that's nice and fresh for the back of the paper, for the op-ed writers, for the Mm -hmm. editorial people uh, and the analysts for something to work on to say, yeah, by the way, if they know so much what to do, why don't they do it? If Republicans, Mm -hmm. critics jump on TV and criticize as if this is a new concept, um, you know, why don't they handle it? It, Of course, that's immensely absurd. (laughs) <laughs> because there, it's not their administration. He won. They didn't win. Well, it also relies on people having a memory that's shorter than one year ago because uh, these problems were not happening under Trump. So it hopes that the American right. people just forgot that immigration wasn't a problem right. under will- Trump because he had the border under control and didn't invite the whole world to come here until right. you know their root causes were all sorted out wherever they're from. Yeah, but it's also just ridiculous that you would ask. You're so out of answers. Then you say, it was like what Obama used to do that from the press mm-hmm. room. What would you do? Well, that's that's changing <laughs> the game, I guess, and the entire dynamic of here. Uh, well, since well, you're the president and right. you have the House and the Senate, maybe you should think of something. <laughs> well, and you ran on this. You right. ran on doing it better. We were building back better, you know, so many different ways, et cetera. Oh, walls are so stupid. But I think the, 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 the problem is now, um, one, they have to get away from blaming stuff on the Border Patrol. Two, the Border Patrol hates the administration. And the fact mm-hmm. that Bill Malugin, your boyfriend, was able to jump on a helicopter seconds after the drone was uh, mm-hmm. barred from the sky just tells you how happy they are to show to, to treat um, this administration with some animus, uh, understandably. Right. And, you know, and this is the narrative that I'm seeing sort of shape up in the press, too. Like, if you look, they'll call it, like, Greg Abbott's border crackdown. Like, <laughs> When they're talking about, like, he invented having a border there, like, this was his idea. When, really, it's all of our border, because people who come into the country, like, there's a reason we put the Wait, federal uh, government uh, in charge out, of the border. Out. Yeah. Why is it hot in this house? It's probably just warm in this room, because we're running a big hot light in here. What about that baby up there? Can't that shoot cold air here? Probably. Do you want to go out in the room? I don't want to trip over all the wires going out, but you can go out in the hall and t- change the turn the temperature down a few notches in the okay, hallway and then, and then click on and then it'll click okay, on okay yeah so but i'll just tell about the border for a second but um yeah so this is the narrative that i'm starting to see in the media is that the border is somehow greg abbott's fault that what we're seeing here and the bad images and all the stuff and the reasons why the immigration jails are overflowing and we uh can't issue people uh 
you know, a notice to appear in court anymore. We have to issue them a notice to report to immigration within 60 days, which is completely unenforceable and nobody actually follows. Um, that, That the reason why this is happening is somehow Greg Abbott did something to cause this. So that's the new narrative that they're going with. Um, and, and one that we didn't even just talk about just now that I think we didn't bring up is remember when they first got into office before it was seasonal, quote unquote, is it was because Trump had dismantled the asylum process. It had been right. dismantled. He had gotten rid of all the border people so that they weren't able to control the border because he dismantled it. So that was first it was Trump's fault. Then it was just seasonal. And then when it kept growing, it was uh, root causes. And then now it kept growing. And now it's a huge, huge issue. And they're just floundering at this point. So now mm. it's, oh, yeah, well, what is you know, what are you going to do about it? And it's Greg Abbott's border now. <laughs> it's apparently the Texas border, but not right. the United States border now. And this I guess. is really just another, uh, these these new talking points, not talking points, but these new almost messaging projects are all all desperate retrenchments again oh, yeah. and again and again. I mean, well, it's like we we're said- now, we've now changed the dynamic. We've changed the debate to a more nuanced, a hybrid nuanced yeah. uh, debate. Mm-hmm. Uh, in other words, why don't we work together as one and, and do it? Well, okay. Well, and we should just pass comprehensive immigration reform. Oh, oh, okay. It is now we should now that you've screwed up the border beyond all recognition, yes. and we no longer have any functioning a functioning immigration system at all. Now that we're just bringing in tens of yes. thousands of people from not just from Mexico, not just from the Northern Triangle, but really just like anywhere in the world. Yes, we now just, that we've tens of thousands of people just pour in, and we tell them, you know, like maybe report back to immigration if you get a chance. Yes, now that we've like, tried uh, immigration with a teaspoon of progressive <laughs> DNA and um, and uh, you know and uh, woke fervor. Uh, now that we've tried a little bit on the border, now we have to institutionalize it nationally, federally. Mm-hmm. Well, like, I mean, part of me thinks that it might be in some ways easier just to uh, drop the pretense that we're enforcing the border at all. Like, why are we, I mean, why are we like housing people in all these encampments and whatever we're doing down there if we're just letting people in? It's like crazy what's happening at the border. It's unbelievable. It's like... They're spending all this money and they're doing all this stuff and employing all these people. And they're what they seem to think the whole point of it is, is to bring more people into the country. Right. Yeah, well, Not I like mean, to yeah. have any kind of. No, they don't have any. System. No, their idea, their, their idea based on the rest of the uh, agenda, their idea would be just amnesty. Yeah. <laughs> or there's no more border problem if there's literally no more border. Well, right. That's, yeah. that's an issue. And, you know, I tend yeah. to actually be like more pro-legal immigration than some of the rhetoric that I hear on the right nowadays. You know, and my view kind of is, like, anyone who's not a criminal, a terrorist, or has a disease, like, if and, you know, as long as we have, like, a... We don't have to support you on welfare for the first five years or something. Like, you know, I... I'm all for that. Like, well, that's we need great. To, we need more to have people, borders, so else. More, no, no, no. But I mean, like, you obviously have to have a border in order to do even just that small list of things. Even right. if you know, and then you can have a conversation yeah, but, about which things you want on the list of requirements and, and not. I, I think we've, but but I, like, if you don't do any enforcement whatsoever, then you can't even talk about like not letting in criminals yes, or terrorists. But the left because, has made, uh, but, but the left has made the idea of any kind of enforcement at all. Um. Uh, um, a um, atrocity. 
Well, right. They have. So any if any visual of the border at all being uh, being protected would be considered an atrocity by the left. They, they do. So in in and they have Biden people like Biden pandered to them for so much because it was a winning issue they felt. Mm-hmm. That now uh, here we go. So now they can't. You can't have any kind of border well, yeah. enforcement. It's like you can't. I mean, obviously, we saw the images this week that were worse than slavery. So we can't obviously just prevent people from walking into the country when they want to. Because if you stand in their way on a horse, then that's racism. Um, But if once they come here and check in and apply for asylum, you put them into a holding camp for a few days while you figure out what to do with people and bust them to wherever they're going then that's literally concentration camps according to aoc and like we can't do that either so i mean like what what exactly can we are we allowed to do at the border i just want to know like from the left what what is supposed to happen at the border in your view uh it should i mean be like free, should... free travel um free entry into the country and then uh, but should there the be any kind of, should there be any kind of like should there be like a welcome packet or like what? I mean, how do, should you have to give your name or show a driver's license? I assume you well, can't show oh, if an they're ID. Not, they're but like, have, I don't, if you don't, they're going to hide in the shadows. What's the plan? Like, I just, I don't, these people are saying like, well, you guys have to come up with a plan. Like Republicans, I, you know, ran the border for four years and we didn't have this. Mm-hmm. We had other things the left didn't like, but we didn't have right. this that nobody likes. So I don't really get what their plan is supposed to be because you can't you can't negotiate an immigration plan if one side just has no plan their plan is no plan all right let's move along here to um congressman jaya pal <laughs> isn't she the one who got covid at the capitol riot because of marjorie taylor green or Did whatever she? Uh, anyway so she was on the sunday show she was actually really charming i, w- I actually listened mm-hmm. to this yesterday um, she had the charm offensive was there front and center because she can be pretty vile if she wants to be. But uh, talking to Jake Tapper about about the three point seven trillion dollar um, uh, I- infrastructure. Are you plan. sure you have that number exactly right? Well, I don't know, but but the thing is, I mean, I think she had a different number when she. Oh wait, no, no, I see what, what it, you're saying. What I see what, what you're saying. But but uh, but it is interesting that these that's the name of the plan. It's like it's not like building back stronger or whatever. It's just the amount because all that matters to anybody is the amount. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Do you think it's possible that the price tag will come down? I've heard the number $2 trillion floated as a possible endpoint. I think we should look, first of all, as I said to the president, I heard him say, this is a zero dollar bill because it's all going to be paid for with taxes on the wealthiest corporations and the wealthiest individuals, which, by the way, makes it more popular than it was even before. And it's already very popular. But Um, Ultimately, I think it depends on what we put in there. We put our proposal out. It was it cost three point five trillion when you add everything up. But if somebody wants to take something out, we need to hear what that is. I don't know what I don't know what the alternative proposal is. So so the meaning that is that is that front when she says it's a zero zero dollar bill. Yeah. In other words, they're all paid for. It's a zero dollar right infrastructure paid for because they're going to tax the bleep out of everybody. So, so, and, and that is that is a classic, and that's old Democrat. That's a classic Democratic um, diversionary line. Right. That's it's paid for because you're going to use taxes. taxes to offset it. 
you know, so you're taking away the income of Americans. It's not that that shows me right there that it's not paid for. It doesn't cost me anything in the government. It's paid for. I mean, I appreciate that there's actually an offset like on the ledger somewhere. That somebody's right. bothered to do that, that's great. But unfortunately, that line item is attached to Tom Shattuck and Burn Barrel listeners right now. Yeah. That's us. It's free. We're going to send you a bill. <laughs> oh, right. okay, good. Thank oh, you. Yeah, I'll bounce up. <laughs> I mean, do they not understand? <laughs> so I've seen a bunch of argument about this on Twitter because obviously all the lefties are like, do you guys not understand the difference between gross cost and net cost? Obviously, it's net after like the taxes that are raised, then it's net zero dollars. Well, yeah, but what's important isn't necessarily does it add to the deficit or the debt. The point is that it's charging people money that you weren't going to tax them before. That's what people feel, right? Like It's like when the Democrats walked around saying Trump's tax cut cost X amount of money. Tax cuts don't cost anything. Right. That's a, that's a great it's Democratic just, trope. It's well. just the government doesn't take your money. But yeah, net to the government, it costs money to do a tax cut because they collect less of your money. But to you, a tax cut doesn't cost anything. That's a made up, invented thing. So they're just talking about it from the perspective of the government budget in their departments. Right. You know, to them, it's cost-free. They didn't have to make any cuts. They didn't add to the (laughs) debt, quote-unquote, which is really, I think, most people have a very deep attachment to the national debt and deficit. I mean, like, if we've learned anything over the last 10 or so years from Obama and the Tea Party people saying that they cared about the deficit and the debt, like, nobody in either party gives a bleep about the deficit, the Mm -hmm. debt. They all grandstand about the debt ceiling. They all do this. They all do that. I mean, I assume the debt is going to kill us all shortly in the in the collapse of our economic empire here at some point. Well, we'll, we'll, all, that's, that's when we'll the world all pay war the price. Happens. But everybody has now just agreed mutually that we're just not going to care about the debt and it no. doesn't impact our daily lives. So it does impact my daily life is if you start taking more money out of my paycheck. That for sure impacts my daily life. And if you stop taking so much money out of my paycheck, that does. So when you say a bill is costs X or doesn't cost X, to the American people, what matters is how much spending you're doing and, and you know, because the the reason why we care about adding to the deficit and debt is because that's money that Americans are going to have to pay back sooner or later, in theory, right? So, you know, the the whole thing, it just shows that they have zero conception of what people care about when they talk about the costs of things. Like, to say the bill is free because the CBO is going to score it that it doesn't add to the deficit is just insanity. And it probably, frankly, the CBO might not even be able to get it to zero with the taxes that they're proposing. It's it's certainly going to hit people of a lot lower income than they're suggesting it's going to hit. And I... Right. And this, this soft one includes all sorts of social programs, this trillions one. Um, which is which is just a it's classic redistribution, which is why right. these socialists are all excited about it, etc. I don't even know what's in it. I've heard of the usual nightmare stories of this and that, but for a lot of Americans, I'd say this has not been an easy time. So tax uh, hikes, which I don't know what they suggest the threshold is for mm-hmm. people going to be paying taxes, but it's never that. I think did he say four hundred thousand or something? Right, but it, it, that's not going to be. Uh, the the truth. Mm-hmm. And actually, if you're raising taxes on corporations as well, they're going to need to offset that loss. Yeah, it comes out in prices to of other course. people. And they're going to, you know, 
they're going to put more cash in the pockets of, <laughs> you know, it, of random poorer people who are going to spend that money. I mean, it, like, we've already seen the inflationary pressures happen from all the money that we dumped into the economy earlier. What was something wrong? Are you listening for the kids? No, I think my I think my AC is working. Oh, look at that. I put it on 58. <laughs> you did not. Is that a real number that it lets you go to? Yeah, I did it. I just kept going down. All right, so um so I want to bring you somewhere else, Alice. Do you mind? Okay. Okay. So, you know, the last night I was watching the award shows as I do most Sundays. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And Love that they're all in the fall now. Yes. It was nice to see um, um, Olivia Rodrigo's breasts. <laughs> That's right. Right as our daughter gets into her first real like big pop star that she mm-hmm. loves, uh, she goes topless to an award show <laughs> yesterday. And our daughter actually topless is going is a slight as, exaggeration. Alice. <laughs> I mean. I'm a guy. Let me. You're a woman. To you, you that's anatomy. To a guy, that's the goods. Uh, believe me. Guys, <laughs> check There it was out. Uh, no... Areola, you know. Don't worry Nothing about it. Nothing showed. A man can see through. No. The yes, don't you don't want to know the powers that men have. We have evolved, Alice, much more than we've ever told you people. But thankfully, our daughter said well, but that she, she did thought the dress looked weird and she didn't oh, like it. Okay, Alice. Okay, mm-hmm. but but the thing is that you know she's going as her this year uh, as Olivia Rodrigo looked uh, like a couple years ago uh, when she was. And I actually didn't even like that one. That's the one's a little racy. But now. But anyway, so now that I mean, she has stickers. Uh, on But her here's face. the thing: it's like, is it? And I understand, Alice. Now that I think about, it, you were dressed very inappropriately when we were first dating. But I mean, you were trying to bag the, to bag the big man. You were big game hunting. I understand that you had to be. <laughs> you had to compete. Um, but but you were also. I mean, I guess women want to be glamorous and seem beautiful. It's just it's just what you want to do. I just have this. Um. I just, I don't know, and this goes for, you. there's also a way to not show the world. Your entire breast. Right, you, there's a way to go to out as well, and so, I mean, to me, it's just like, it's, it's using the free space in a bingo card. I mean, so that's how you're, in lieu of doing something else that's impressive, Whatever, fine. Use the free space. I'm fine. I'm cool with it. <laughs> Dateline, New York. This is Michael Rydell. You know who Michael Rydell is? Mm. He's a writer for the New York Post. Tony Awards, slave play shocker. The story of diversity being uh, behind big upset. There's going to be fury on Broadway tomorrow and a lot of sighing privately from the people who run the real show. The Great White Way has been under fire since Black Lives Matter for its supposed lack of diversity. There have been diversity initiatives, diversity committees, and a great deal of soul-searching about how to make theater more welcoming to minorities. And yet for all of that, that, the shock at the Tony Awards Sunday night was that The Inheritance, which is a play, a play about a gay man uh, of all ethnicities, beat out slave play. Jeremy O'Hara's sexually charged explosive play about the fundamental racism of America. With 12 nominations... Those both sound like really wonderful plays. But hold on. With 12 nominations, Slave Play was thought to be that... Wow, you're racist. With 12 nominations... I just like plays that are about something and not a lecture about how we're fundamentally Uh, racist. Okay, racist. Can you give me something, please? (laughs) 
With 12 nominations, Slave Play was thought to be the favorite. The New York Times loved it, as it does everything that reminds us of how racist America is supposed to be. Every time Jeremy O. Harris bought a new outfit, the Times wrote all about it. But because the scene, but behind the scenes, Broadway people were annoyed. To accuse them of being racist, exclusive, and elitist, not at them. The theater has been diverse and welcoming of everybody since its beginning. The Greeks started it, and most of them were bisexual. Shakespeare wrote sonnets to men and women. Joe Papp created Free Shakespeare in the Park so that every New Yorker, black, white, Hispanic, could be touched by the beauty of Shakespeare. Joe Papp was also the first champion of non-traditional casting. He cast whites, blacks, and Hispanics in Shakespeare, despite the bricks thrown at him by critics who thought only white actors could do those plays. And when young men were dying of AIDS in New York City in the early 80s, the only place that stepped up to help them was the theater. The theater created Broadway Cares, Equity Fights AIDS, to help people who were shunned by their families, who had no money, who would have died alone. Television in Hollywood pretended gay people did not exist at the time. Broadway took care of them. And before there was the great Jeremy O. Harris, there was a playwright called August Wilson who wrote about the black experience in America. Fences, The Piano Lesson, Seven Guitars, all of them were produced on Broadway, not in the movies, not on TV, but in the theater. <clears throat> I'm glad Broadway celebrated its diversity last night, but the best moment was when the great Jennifer Holliday sang, And I am telling you, I'm not going. It's from Dreamgirls, as you know, written by a couple of white guys, one of whom died of AIDS, directed by Michael Bennett, who died of AIDS and performed by a diverse cast in 1981. Don't tell me Broadway is behind the times. There you go. So, uh, but the point that was made, and they actually talked about this in the Commentary Magazine mm -hmm. thing today. The point that, was, that, that they made was, is that these... The voting's done. What was that? You I don't know? know. You did it. Oh, yeah. It's my thing. It's my microphone thing. The point is that the, the voting is done by a secret ballot. Mm-hmm. So we are in woke fests, you know, and they said the same thing with the Oscars. They, yeah, that's mm -hmm. right. Secret ballot. That's why uh, Anthony Hopkins won Best o Actor when it was supposed to be Chadwick Boseman or whoever was supposed to win, right? Mm-hmm. So... <clears throat> So, with Broadway, they're mad about being told what to do. Fine. And with, with Hollywood, et cetera, with all these people, these are all good progressives. Right. <clears throat> they are happy to say publicly one thing and act one way, but when it comes down to, the, to vote, they're voting on merit. I'm sure they would vote the, if, if the black play was the best one. I'm sure they would have voted for that one. I don't think, whatever. Mm -hmm. So the, so there there's an integrity there. They're, they're not willing to eschew, at least when it comes down to it, when, when rubber hits the road. And that's like to Maybe give they just have more work to do internally, honey. Well, no, 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 no. That's when, that's when, so, so anyway, the fact that they've had enough, and these are the most progressive people in the world. This is... This is theater elite lefty progressives. These are like the leftiest of the lefties. Yes, some of these people are from the realm of actual doctrine communists. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> well, so I, I got to thinking that what if, what if, and we've known this, we had friends who did the Black Lives Matter thing who would never have done anything like that ever. Mm -hmm. But I went on Instagram, did the pictures and this and that. And, 
And I think that's what made this the thing remarkable last year. It was that you had a whole bunch of people who normally don't do stuff like that and who don't get swept up in things who decided to become kind of social media activists and, you know, boutique activists in nice towns for one to two days for the year to be part of the whole thing because George Floyd, yada, 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 yada. Well, yeah, they My, all made so many, Facebook but, posts that were right. like, you know, I never post about things like this, but the time has come where people like <laughs> me have to stand up. We can't be silent any longer. Right, okay. So everybody got into it and said, mm-hmm. my daughter came to me and she said, why did George Floyd have to die? And this, <clears throat> So here's my thinking. What if this movement, that's the racial reckoning movement, mm-hmm. really? What if it literally... Alice goes the way of disco. I mean, I think it probably will. Now, remember, disco was not just red hot in the late 70s. It was the red hot, most incredible, single biggest thing out there. It was, disco was a state of mind. It wasn't just music and dancing. It was a state of mind, certain flashiness, a certain cockiness, certain, you know, it was an attitude. You know, mm-hmm. much more. And and then, in 1977, you were king of the hill if you were a disco person. By 1982, disco was absolutely verboten. It was considered, uh, talk about, it was considered an, a, a, a cultural atrocity. It was only lampooned and made fun of. For It is still lampoonable. I mean, that was a particularly tacky time. <laughs> but it became so, just absolutely... Just, but don't you think it's the things that are well, biggest that me. are most most vulnerable to that? Because, <laughs> yeah. because specifically, they're so powerful and so all-consuming. And the mood and the feel of it is just so big and distinctive that... That once you're over that flavor, you like can't have any of it, you know? Exactly agree. Agree. It's overkill. We've had so much of it. So what happens if it does go the way disco? I mean, I think it will. This sort of like total hysteria over like this racial stuff and the privilege workshops and all these things. Mm-hmm. Like this can't maintain this kind of energy, especially if tons of normal people just reject it which they do i mean like they're really trying to say that like christopher rufo who's been doing all this stuff on critical race theory and in the schools and everything that um that this is some kind of white lash against you know like white people just don't like to know the truth about our country and so they're lashing back out the way they always have but that's really not true like huge majorities of all races think critical race theory is garbage and don't want to talk to their kids it's really 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 unpopular with normal people enough so that they'll go to school board meetings which like I mean, you know this as a normal person yourself who doesn't like uh, small government politics. Mm -hmm. Like, it would have to be something pretty big to get you to a school board meeting, would it not? Right. But, you know, if we, for example, weren't in a position where we were homeschooling and our schools were teaching stuff like this or, like, made our little kid feel guilty and, like, sign a pledge to reject their whiteness or something, like, would you not be at the next school board meeting raising hell? Because it's so outrageous, so ridiculous. And, like, I mean, that's across the board. It's only wacko progressives who think that this is awesome. It's not, like, this isn't, like, white people against black people. This is, like... Well, I mean, there are a lot of people who, who... who joined the demonstrations last well, year. Well, right, but then, like, 
it comes home in your kid's backpack, this like really crazy stuff. And you're thinking like, this is not what I fully signed up for. I mean, there's a pretty big difference between saying like, yeah, police officers, police officers shouldn't kneel on the necks of people in the street. And, you know, and then saying that like whiteness is terrible and needs to be rejected and acting like white kids have a disease and that like black kids can never succeed because all this invisible racism is holding them down. Like, I mean, that's, it's toxic for everybody. It's toxic for black kids. It's toxic for white kids. It's awful. It's not, that's not a philosophy that most people agree with. You can get them to show up at a protest. I mean, you know, and, and you say, like, those friends would never have done anything like that, some of the people that we know, but, you know, and and they're not big activist people, but, like, we also know relatively normal people who, like, went to the Women's March right in the early days of Trump, and we're, you know, and we're just kind of like, oh, well, this is so interesting, like, it's important to see democracy in action kind of <laughs> things, you know, like, just sort of, like, not, like, hugely committed to it, but they they think there's like a movement and it's important and it's part of history, right? That, that there's that line that like when there's these big movements and it's a thing that they like, you know, want to be able to say that they were there to the future generations or whatever. But when it comes down to it, like, you know, in, in your office, when you're wandering around scared to talk to other people because you're going to step on somebody's toes or say the wrong pronoun or something like then you know, then it's actually impacting your life. And then we're in like insane world. Right. And it's funny because all this whole thing with like the critical race theory stuff was originally like, oh, that's not going to leave the colleges. These are just like college Mm -hmm. courses on critical theory. And it's not, but now it's literally everywhere. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It, It doesn't necessarily always go by that name everywhere, but absolutely the teachings of it are everywhere. The, the, the action items are everywhere. And the uh, the ideology is used and and transplanted onto all sorts of things. There's no doubt about that. This, and another thing that might make this go the way of disco is it could be replaced because if you want to look at the black condition right now, and you had that the a bad shooting by Chicago cops six years ago, whatever, of the mm-hmm. kid who was on heroin in the middle of the street. Rahm Emanuel covered it up before the election. Uh, they robbed him out, essentially, this, this kid. And that, for Black Lives Matter in Chicago, and for the people in Chicago um, who are the, the progressives, of course, good white progressives as well, of course, mm-hmm. who consider themselves good, you know, that is one of the pivotal stories of, of, of pillars of this narrative of this great racial reckoning. Mm-hmm. Looking right over what's taken day to day as just the price of doing business in Chicago is the dozens of kids shot, black kids shot every weekend. Now, I know this is not a new thing to, to mention this, and in right wing radio uses it all the time. But at some point, saying 70 kids were shot over the weekend, 70 black young black men were shot over the weekend. At some point, just like with the George Floyd thing that something kicked in, at some point, that's going to permeate the conscience mm-hmm. of America for real. And we're right. going to look around and say, holy hell, we've been painting murals of Black Lives Matter around, patting ourselves in the back. When we're letting this happen, when they, mm-hmm. they, within the top five causes of young black men to die. And it, it's it, getting it's way worse. Kinds, some, according to some studies, it's the number one. Is after accidents, is you're most likely to be murdered on the streets. 
Well, right. And it's getting worse, like because we're defunding the police and the George Floyd mm-hmm. purchase and the police have been like pulling back out of some of these neighborhoods because they're obviously not welcome there. And what's happening is, you know, the crime wave that's non-existent except for murder, largely because we've stopped prosecuting anything that we can pretend isn't happening, like, you know, shoplifting or car thefts or anything else. Um But, you know, the murders are rising and they're not done rising. So it's going to be kind of interesting to see here, you know, how how this plays out, because to real people, crime matters, you know, and and in, in particular to Democratic voters. Right. The people that the Democrats rely on to vote for them, the people that Trump was starting to peel off a little bit, um, they still vote majority Democrat, but these like urban voters um, but, you know, Trump made significant gains with them. And and I think that this is a big part of it, that running on defund the police messaging with people whose greatest threat is not actually from the police. And they know this. You know, you can't you can tell white liberals in Wellesley that the greatest threat to black people is the police. And they'll probably believe you because it seems scary to them and whatever. Mm-hmm. But like the people that actually live in those neighborhoods, in those cities, know what the threats to them are. They know that they're what's more likely to kill them, whether it's like a stray bullet from somebody else or a police officer. They understand this and they know it and they want more community policing generally, not defunding of police. So, you know, this is sort of where the Democratic Party is going to have to have a come to Jesus and say, are we going to be the party of suburbanites and, you know, college educated liberals of no particular race or are we going to... Um, continue to have these like solid leads with minority voters in cities because we're watching sort of real time this realignment happening um, you know where like if you these- or a loved one have tried sorry, to overcome drug or alcohol Stop addiction it. aware recovery care is Stop here it. to help sorry, yes, sorry. aware recovery I, care I, is I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to play <laughs> you something blue collar voters hadn't really gone for a republican since like Reagan right the Reagan if you Democrats, or a loved one have tried to Democrats, overcome drug or alcohol addiction so-called and um and trump really got those people and it's you know it's not a big jump once you've got you know the those working class union democrats from the midwest it's not a big jump to imagine that you would start to get working class urban voters who just happen to have a different skin color but probably have more culturally in common with you know white working class people than they do with you know a educated black college professor in terms of their experience of America and what they're feeling economically and culturally, you know, and, and I think we're watching this realignment happen right now. And, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see the choices that the Democratic Party makes. But, but I think that you're right in terms of like this going the way of disco, like you've been following politics long enough to know that it's really, really hard to predict what the battles are going to be, even like, at the next presidential election, even at the midterms, even in 2022, one year from now, it's really hard to predict the conversations we're going to be having and what's going to be driving people one way or the other in the polls. You know, so so this is what I wanted to play to you. And this is just back to mm-hmm. um, to what we were talking about in Hartford, where I do a radio show. This guy, Juan Garcia, was shot uh, and killed in August. 17 years old. Shot and killed. His um, his um, best friend 
is named Will. Uh, let's see, was named uh, where is he? Waldemar Santiago. He was visiting his friends, the makeshift uh, memorial for him last mm-hmm. night. Sixteen years old, he was shot and killed. Um, and this is his. I think this is his aunt. Back to death. The city not tired. The people not tired. Like, it's so sad. It's so sad. It's just so sad. We need to do better. This is the We meat. need to do better. These young kids are not getting to sprout out to young, you know, grown men. Kids are being left without brothers, fathers. You know, moms are left without sons, aunts without nephews. This is so sad. That's all I have to say. It's so sad. It's just so sad. The city needs to do so much better. So, right. So, in what the city has done, they just had a uh, emergency session of Congress, of the legislature, mm-hmm. and the session was just about masking. Not about this. Not about right outside, about these kids being killed. We're going to look back at this and say, mm-hmm. this, there's something too. The cops are not actually going in. The, the George Floyd things, that is not an epidemic. Cops, right. uh, you know, rethinking police, that's all make-believe part of a, 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 a you know, this Black Lives Matter agenda item thing that was all set and ready that hit pay dirt because people were stuck in their houses and saw the George Floyd video and felt particularly guilty at some points. There's nothing to that. That's built on vapor. There's something to this. Right. This is in, incredible. Um, and maybe that's why, maybe that's why people haven't done anything because, because this actually is a big challenge. But the idea that you're allowed to have this happen in neighborhoods, yeah, that's just, you know, I could either be, you know, watching Paw Patrol or shopping for caskets for kids as a parent. Holy hell. And we're not, this is not the thing that's on front of mind for people. It's not a priority. It's effing crazy, and it's, well, it's effing... I mean, that's always been a problem. Always been a problem with... Even, like, if you look at the liberal focus on gun control, and that's been a thing for years. Remember there was the guy in Boston who had the billboard that always, like, had yeah, how many kids had been yeah. killed by guns and since whatever year a long time ago so that it would be a more impressive number. But... You know, people see that number of, like, kids killed with guns and think it's, like, all Columbines or uh, Newtown, Connecticut's or whatever. And it's not. The vast majority of kids who are killed by guns are kids who are killed by illegal guns in urban environments, um, you know, either accidentally or, you know, in crossfire or whatever. Right. And, And so, but... It's really hard to get liberals to care about that because that's a problem that's so divorced from their everyday experience of life that they have a lot of trouble like envisioning that as a horrific thing. This like slow drip, drip, drip of like minority kids dying that doesn't really like cross their radar. But, you know, like Newtown, Connecticut, that's like oh my gosh, we have to do something. And then they turn to the numbers and they go, look how many kids. Well, most of them weren't like that. Most of, not that, I mean... So it's always been this sort of tension of liberals wanting to deal with, like, one type of problem of gun control that's, like, not the actual problem. And it's the same thing. It's like, oh, we really want to deal with, like, all the urban young black men who are dying unnecessarily. But not those, not the ones that's, like, 80% of them. Not those ones. We don't need that. Like, that's, mm, no. No, until we've done juvenile justice reform. 
We have decided <laughs> to not deal with men. We've disengaged. We've asked police to disengage. Right. So it's it's kind of an issue of like what of not being willing to have even a conversation of what's actually happening here and what's the problem. And I think there are people in both parties that have tried to like engage some of these problems. I mean, you even have like Rand Paul tried to engage the Breonna Taylor thing, mm -hmm. put forward a bill about no knock grades. And, you know, I think a lot of people on the right agree with that as a concept that the police shouldn't be busting down your door in the middle of the night fully armed like that's, right, but that's like, also not an epidemic right but it's not an epidemic time, but i think that there's there's room for agreement once you actually boil down and you say like well what are the real issues that are driving this what's really happening here what's killing young black kids right now and how can we make it stop i think there are things where you can find places to work across party oh, lines totally. but they just don't make as easy a slogan well, right. And so my concern is this, mm -hmm. is that at a time when we could resolve, both parties, resolve to tackle this actual ex ex existential tragedy mm -hmm. of these kids being wiped out and having murder and homicide as part of their lives and having... In some cases, afraid to snitch so that they know, the moms know the kid who shot her son to death and the kid is free and lives six houses down and has to deal with that, walk past him at the grocery store. Mm -hmm. The fact, that's uh, these, this nightmare. My, my concern is that at a time when we could be really getting together to really try to do something difficult, it would be difficult right. to do, but to try to eradicate the, pro the crime problem in these neighborhoods... That's right. picking off young boys and infants and everybody else. Mm -hmm. And props to My Trump, honestly. My problem is that, that we may, at a time we could be doing that, that the um, black inner city experience may be going the way of disco. Because we blew our wad with the horse from surrounding the George Floyd stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's even more of a tragedy. Right. Because <laughs> it's just out of, it's out of vogue now. Right. We spent our energy that we had for caring about urban black youth. Right. On something made up. So right. now when we're on to we the next thing, we're right. done with we that. We renamed streets. We forgot about on our Instagram. <laughs> You've got pictures there. You know, we did all the performative stuff. Yep. All good. And, you know... <laughs> Well, and perhaps to Trump for doing criminal justice reform, because that yeah. was not an easy thing to do and not necessarily like his party's first priority of something to get out there and do when he still had political capital. And, you know, he, he actually got it done in a bipartisan way. Mm -hmm. And that that is something that I think that if that there are places in criminal justice reform that can actually work across party lines and make sense and actually help solve some of the problems, places in it. Right. <laughs> so, like, for example, you know, if we're talking about the fact that lots of black kids grow up without dads in the house, right? Mm -hmm. And that, like, if there are dads that we can that are in jail for something 40 years ago that was nonviolent, like, maybe we can get them out of jail so that they can go raise their kids and, mm -hmm. you know, hopefully prevent another generation from ending up in jail. Like, I think there's truth to that because clearly, you know, something that we're seeing is that families matter, parents matter moms and dads matter and to boys especially dads matter so you know that's something and 
that's something that we need to talk about as a society. But these are complicated problems to solve. They're not like simply one and done. And they're certainly not solved by, you know, white people sitting around and navel gazing and thinking, oh, Uh -oh. mommy lost. Oh, there we go. There we go. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Uh Oh, um, these problems certainly are not solved by, um, you know, white white people sitting around and thinking about how racist they are. That's for sure not how they're solved. You already have uh, my phone. Okay, so the last here. thing I, I had it. was Biden. Is that it right there? Yeah, sit right there. Last thing I had was Biden saying that uh, that 75 to 85% of kids should be getting um, vaccinated. He was just kind of rambling, talking rag time. It's right there. Talking rag time. No. How many parents need to be vaccinated for us to go back to normal? Like, what is the percentage of total vaccinations that have to be deployed? Well, I think, look, I think we get the vast majority, like it's going on in some of the, some industries and some schools, 97, 98%. I think we're going awful close. And, uh, but I'm not the scientist. Uh, that's pretty damn high. 98% percent be vaccinated. 97, 98%. Right. Fauci had been saying 75 a few months ago. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, and a third of the country has had COVID now. So, right. I mean, p- probably more, maybe more like 40%. So, uh, yeah, no, 97% of the country is never going to get vaccinated. So if that's what we're waiting for, like we, you know, people keep saying, like, what's the exit ramp for masks and distancing and restrictions and, you know, sending kids home from school because their nose is runny or whatever? Like, what's. What's right. the plan to end up back at some form of normal human interaction? And so if the plan is 98% of the country has to be vaccinated, then things are never going to be normal again. Right. I mean, that's right. not... You know what has to happen is that we have to break this fever by going outside and just starting to live life again. Yeah. And that's it. It has to be... Uh, enough people just have to start going and doing things mm-hmm. um, so that... We flip this thing so that in certain circumstances you feel kind of weird acting like we're in the midst of the pandemic again because we're not. Yeah, because people are acting like this. And like, I mean, it's worth noting that he actually was wearing a mask when he mm-hmm. he made these comments while he was getting his booster shot. Wearing a mask with everyone else masked, uh, getting the booster shot. All these people are vaccinated. So it's I mean, this is that's already just insane world. That's yeah. not that's not the behavior of well-adjusted people. It's not based on science. It's absolutely ridiculous. You know, I I think getting vaccinated is a good way to prevent getting a severe outcome from COVID-19. That's my read of the science that's out there. Other people's mileage may vary, which is fine. You do you. But like this behavior where you get vaccinated. No, that I love you do you. Go ahead. Um, oh, where was I? I know you're done. I was going <laughs> to I was done. <laughs> All right, but, can you go? But yeah, there's no need to wear a mask then after you're vaccinated though. All right, well, you know, it's just a measure of protection. It's one of the um what do these say? The layers of protection. Yes, one of the layers. There's another word for layers though that Fauci was just saying that I had just heard too. One of the mm. millifications, modifications that you can use. One of the many. <sighs> 
Thank you so much, everyone. Again, uh, this is the Burn Barrel Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Burn Barrel Pod, burnbarrelpodcast.com. We are on Facebook.com slash Burn Barrel Podcast. Two more hogs got the fever. And uh, Burn Barrel Podcast on Gab and Parlor. We have a YouTube channel, a Rumble channel. We're on all the things. Buy a little Jerry Callahan Buy shirt. By Jerry the way, Callahan my detente, my icy detente ended with Jerry Callahan See today. We were in contact. In contact, wow. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.